Chapter 17 of The Red Cross Girls on the French Firing Line. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by T.R. Love of Pleasant Hill, California. The Red Cross Girls on the French Firing Line by Margaret Vandercook. Chapter 17 Recognition. However, it was nearly noon before Eugenia made the discovery that the entire French army in the vicinity had retreated, leaving all the country nearby in the hands of the Germans. Only then did she appreciate the difficulty of concealing a young French officer in her home, who would doubtless be taken prisoner if his presence and his identity were discovered. Her information came about in this fashion. For two hours Eugenia worked with her patient, washing his wounds and even managing to extract a bullet which had lodged near the surface. Also she bathed his face and poured brandy between his haggard lips until he opened his eyes, only to close them again in utter exhaustion. Finally, when she could do nothing more, Eugenia walked to her front door to get some fresh air. She meant in a few moments to go to the Chateau d'Amely and send old Francois to the nearest village for a doctor. So far, it simply had not occurred to her that Francois and his mistress might have deserted the Chateau for the same reason that had compelled the removal of the field hospital. Outside, like a tired sentinel, Eugenia found Duke asleep in the front yard. Then, while hesitating to wake him, even to keep guard over his master, she became vaguely conscious that soldiers were marching past. The next instant she realized that their uniforms were German and not French, and that they wore the eagle triumphant on their shining helmets. They were passing close to the little house with the blue front door, so that Eugenia wondered why no one stopped to investigate it. Then she remembered that Barbara had hung the Red Cross emblem outside, and that the soldiers were treating it with extraordinary respect. Would they continue to do this after discovering that the only person beside herself under the protection of the Red Cross flag was an enemy's officer? Eugenia was convinced otherwise. Captain Castaigne would be promptly taken prisoner so soon as she told of his whereabouts and sent to a hospital within the German lines, and to be moved at the present time would probably mean the young officer's death. Calling Duke inside, Eugenia closed and bolted the blue front door. Then she considered whether she could manage to keep the young Frenchman concealed and yet take proper care of him. It would be impossible to expect the assistance of a physician, for the nearest village would assuredly be occupied by the Germans, and to demand a doctor must mean the betrayal of her patient. It was possible, however, that she could hide Captain Castaigne away for a time at least, while she remained unmolested in the little farmhouse with Duke as her protector. She would explain to the German officer in command just what had taken place that caused her to be left behind by the hospital staff. Then there would be little reason for interfering with her, 
unless the farmhouse should be required for the shelter of the soldiers. But as it was small and somewhat out of the way, she hoped it might be ignored. The chiefly important thing was to wait quietly until the next morning and then find out Captain Castaigne's condition. Eugenia meant to make as brave a fight for his life as possible. If he recovered, there would be enough time to determine whether he should surrender or make an effort to escape and rejoin his command. Fortunately, there were both provisions and medical supplies stored in the farmhouse. Judge Thornton had sent fresh orders of both from Paris quite recently. So for the rest of the afternoon and evening, Eugenia sat by her patient while Duke crouched on the floor near them both. No one disturbed them. The little house might have been in the center of a vast desert for any human interest it created. The day before, Eugenia had closed its outside windows and doors, and since had opened only the one window necessary for light and air. For the greater part of the night, Captain Castaigne was delirious from a high fever. Eugenia knew that it would be almost impossible for him to escape blood poison after the dirt had been ground into his wounds from the long dragging of his body on the earth. Nevertheless, now and then the young officer slept the sleep of utter exhaustion, with Duke and Eugenia both slumbering beside him whenever this opportunity came. Eugenia did not question the reason for her care. She had not liked the young Frenchman at their first meeting in Paris. Certainly their second accidental meeting in the woods had not increased her liking. Moreover, she had been entirely out of sympathy with him, with his mother, and with their French ideas and the environment on the afternoon of her one call. Yet none of these things counted in the least with Eugenia. Captain Castaigne was a French soldier, one of the men whom she had come to Europe to nurse in case he needed her care. Therefore, he should have the best it was in her power to offer." Once, while in the act of giving him medicine to relieve his fever, the young man murmured his mother's name, and for the instant Eugenie was moved to sympathy. All the rest of the time her feeling was entirely impersonal. Captain Castaigne was merely a patient who must, if possible, be kept alive and later restored to health. If she had any feeling in the matter, Eugenia was sorry that she had ever made the young man's acquaintance before this night. Nevertheless, at about six o'clock the following morning, after an entire hour of refreshing sleep, Eugenia opened her eyes to find her patient gazing steadfastly at her. For the time being, his delirium had passed, and she realized that he recognized her and longed to ask questions, but was still too weak and ill to speak. A half an hour afterwards, after a few sips of clam bouillon, which chanced to be among the household stores, Captain Castaigne said a few words. "'What does this mean?' he asked in painstaking English, appreciating, even in his present condition, that Miss Peabody preferred the conversation to take place in her native tongue. Eugenia thought quickly. The young officer could not entirely grasp the situation 
even if she were able to tell him the entire story. Moreover, at present, the story was too long and too exciting for him to hear. Also, he might feel burdened by his obligation to her and unwilling for her to make the sacrifices necessary for his safety if he learned the truth now. So she gazed back at him with the quiet serenity that made her so valuable a nurse. You understand you have been hurt? Well, I have been appointed to take care of you. You are to see no one else for a time, not even your mother. Try to sleep now, for you must be as quiet as possible. When Captain Castaigne immediately closed his eyes, Eugenia choked back a sigh of relief. Evidently, so far, he had paid no attention to his strange surroundings. It was her presence alone that had surprised him, and he would probably be unable to make further inquiries for some time to come. Possibly he would not even recognize her again, for Eugenia understood the nature of the disease with which she was to do battle and realized that there might be weeks of continued delirium. For the next fourteen days Eugenia was correct in her prognostication but as they were a rather dreadful two weeks for her, she would never talk of them freely afterwards. All that time she had but faint hope that the young soldier would live, and except for her patient and duke, she was completely alone. However, Eugenia managed to get the young fellow upstairs and into Barbara's former blue bedroom, although he was never conscious of the change. She was compelled to do this, or else have her patient discovered, for she was not to remain entirely undisturbed, while the victorious German soldiers overran the entire neighborhood. One afternoon, three days after their installation, when fortunately she chanced to be working in her kitchen, a tremendous knocking sounded upon the blue front door. Immediately Eugenia conceived that it was someone sent to inquire why a solitary female should remain sequestered in a house, when supplies and houses were so much needed for the German soldiers. A satisfactory explanation would doubtless be difficult. Nevertheless, Eugenia, with a blue check gingham apron over her nursing one and a cup and saucer and dish towel in her hands, opened the front door. There was something which she hoped looked old maidy in this suggestion of dishes and tea, nothing to suggest the concealment of a young French officer. Outside her door, Eugenia encountered a stiff German youth in an immaculate uniform bearing an official letter. The letter commanded Eugenia to report to the officer in authority in the nearest village. She was to explain her presence in the neighborhood, her occupation, and above all, offer proof of her nationality. Therefore, before setting out the next morning, Eugenia changed the quarters of her patient. There could be little doubt that someone would be sent to investigate the interior of the little farmhouse with the blue front door. One could scarcely expect to keep a soldier hidden in the only room of any size in the house. Fortunately, Barbara's room was the most inconspicuous of the four bedrooms. Besides, Eugenia had a certain scheme in mind which she hoped might help when the critical moment arrived. 
Naturally, Eugenia had passports and certificates to identify herself as an American Red Cross nurse, but she also took with her to the colonel of the German regiment another paper of a different character. However, she did not mean to show this before feeling her way very carefully. The paper was a check for a large sum of money on an American bank in Boston and signed with her own name. At the improvised office of the German colonel, Eugenia told her story as briefly as possible. Moreover, she told the exact truth in regard to herself in every detail up to a certain moment. This was the moment when she awakened to consciousness after being struck by a German shell. There was nothing antagonistic in Eugenia's manner with the officer. She explained to him that the little French farmhouse had been allotted to the use of the four American Red Cross nurses, and that the other three girls had retreated with the French field hospital staff. Then she asked that she be allowed to remain in their house until such time as she could communicate with her friends in America. As she was alone, it would be impossible to have German soldiers quartered upon her. At this moment, Eugenia put her hand upon the check in her pocket. Very frankly, she then declared that she realized it to be each person's duty to assist with the shelter and feeding of a victorious army. But as she was unable to do either of these things, would not the colonel accept money instead? She trusted that he would not be offended by her unusual suggestion, for it appeared to her the only just and fair thing to do under the circumstances. Finally, after further discussion and hesitation, and another careful study of her passports, the German officer agreed to do what Eugenia had suggested. However, he insisted, as a matter of necessary formality, that two German soldiers be sent to her house the next day on a tour of inspection. When they came, Eugenia had the courage to show them into the very blue bedroom where the young French officer lay concealed. But beforehand, and in spite of her Puritan ancestry, she explained that this room was her own bedchamber. Moreover, to prove that she had nothing to keep secret, she had entirely emptied her closet, her own clothes, besides all those that the other three girls had left behind, were thrown with pretended carelessness on top of the bed, where Captain Castaigne lay hidden under a pile of bedclothes. The young Frenchman was in a stupor from fever at the time, so Eugenia considered that there could be little risk of his either moving or speaking. However, if risk there was, she felt compelled to take it. The German soldiers made no effort to give this special room a thorough investigation. They merely glanced in, and then, like the proverbial 10,000 men of King George's army, marched out again. After this, Eugenia was troubled no further by intruders from the ranks of the Allies' enemy. Her next visitor was of a much more unexpected character. End of chapter 17